Good evening, everyone. Friends, our first reading, uh, David, uh, who is a king, uh, we're told he wants to make a house for God because uh, he feels uh, terrible that he lives in a cedar place and the tabernacle, which represented God, was in some tent. And uh, God sends a messenger to the king saying, uh, no, uh, don't build me a house. Instead, I'm going to build you a dynasty, one that will last forever and ever. And St. Paul is referring to this. He's saying, from the mystery that has been from all time. And then he tells us, Jesus Christ is the response that, to uh, what was said in our first reading. And the gospel tells us the mystery of it. Here's how it's going to happen. My friends, um, words are very, very powerful and they have great meaning. Uh, they did back then, they do today. And a word that, uh, we use a word a lot, the word amen. And it has some loose translations. Let it be. Um, and it is a word that is used very often by us Christians. Um, and we say it over and over again in our liturgies. You've already said it two or three times since we've begun the Mass. As the case often is, when we use a word so often, we seldom think of what we are saying when we say it. For many, amen is just a short kind of period <laughs> to whatever it is that went before it. Or in the dictionary of the Bible says that amen is the Hebrew word for I agree, let it be, so be it. Friends, uh, I found this very curious because this implies that amen was an everyday expression that found its way into the Hebrew liturgical life. Our own liturgy has its roots in Hebrew liturgical language. And so we finish each Christian prayer by stating our consent then to it. We say, Amen, I agree, so be it, or let it be. Mary said, let it be, to the angel's invitation and to God's plan and will for her life. And because of her, Amen, we have something that we call Christmas. Mary is an incredible model of amen and what it really means. Anything she said amen to became a reality in her life. She did not give some hypothetical assent to God and to his will, but real assent when she says that word. She did not discern God's will for her life and then start questioning the whys and the wherefores and all the other W's that go, oh, when, where, what's going on? Huh? She didn't do that. His will came to be in her simply because she let it be. Some folks call this obedience to God's will, and so it is. However, uh, St. Jose Escriva made a comment about this, and uh, his view of it was, very clever. He said it was a correspondence to grace. 
And I think that is well said by the saint. Correspondence to grace means uncovering God's will day by day as best we can and corresponding with that will as best we understand it. And that way we move with God's impulses because God is not some stained glass window. He is not some statue. Lives and breathes. His life comes from God. And because Jesus is the icon of God, we know more about God. So I can say with absolute certainty, we move then with God's impulses rather than our own. This is a solid way by which the disciple, you and I are disciples of the Lord, makes being a servant of the Lord a reality in our life. Luke reports to us that Mary said, I am the handmaid of the Lord. Let it be done. Now we know what she said. Amen. Let it be done according to your word. When Mary said that, God's saving plan for us was able to enter into a very critical phase. Mary's assent to God's plan determined where the human nature of the Savior would come from. It would come from Mary. And all because of this, we, you and I, this day sitting in this church, have become beneficiaries of Mary's. Amen. She herself came to know the joy of doing uh, the right thing in the right place at the right time. It is the definition of doing God's will in one's life. Mary's amen was the right thing in the right place at the right time, both for our salvation and for her own personal history. My friends, there is a similar right, righteousness of action, place, and time in our amens to the will of God and his saving plan for us, certainly. But perhaps, uh, even though less momentous as what happened with Gabriel, the angel, and Mary, but our amens can impact others, just as Mary's did in a different way perhaps lacking this fundamental, people come and say, I feel so distant from God, I don't understand what's going on, I feel dry, I'm in a desert, I'm in a dark night. <sighs> I understand. But perhaps lacking this fundamental connection with our Lord is the reason why so many Christians feel disappointed or discouraged or disconnected in the faith. When we live, as St. Escriva says, when we live in the correspondence of wills on a daily basis, ours and God's, we experience the very presence of God and the assurance of salvation in a way that eludes us in uh, outer forms of religion. And we come to know in our hearts what St. Paul said the peace of God that surpasses all understandings, Philippians 4, 7. Living our life as God wills is for us has nothing to do with being a slave, as some people 
feel. It has nothing to do with being a slave. It has nothing to do with abandoning your intelligence. Because you know what they put forth. You Christians are idiots. You can't think for yourselves. It has nothing to do with that. And we do not put aside our conscience either. God gave it to us. It has to do with the graced road of freedom and maturity in faith. It has to do with attaining the full stature of Christ that St. Paul talks about in Ephesians 4.13. It's complicated, but go there and read it. Uh, you'll, you'll understand why I'm referencing this. But more, I always tell you, if you want to understand how to be the good human, the perfect human, look to Jesus. Jesus followed his heavenly Father's will perfectly, and yet he did it in perfect freedom. Jesus was free. Jesus of Nazareth was free to do anything he wished. His sacrifice and death for us was a charge he had from his Father in heaven. And at the same time, it was a matter of freely laying down his life and taking it up again freely. For he says, I lay down my life in order to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it up again. That comes from John, and John's typical. John's very circular in, his, <laughs> in the way he talks. Sometimes you're like, oh, oh, oh. so you got to dissect a little bit what he was saying there. But that's John 10, 17 through 18. God's will does not enslave us. It allows us to be servants of the word, big W, Jesus, as Mary was. It is in serving the word, small w, <laughs> meaning God's will, day by day, word by word, action by action, that type of freedom is the type of freedom most people desire. And in being in harmony with God comes to its full fruition or realization. And friends, we do not abandon our intellect following His will, God. But we use it in a deeper level. Nor do we push aside conscience in following God's will, but find it actually moves us in full freedom into the way of God's mysterious plans. And they are mysterious. To do God's will is ultimately to discover and to do one's own deepest and most gracious of desires.